Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This is the TRT Community Podcast, where we discuss all things testosterone. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon, founder of the TRT Community, host of All Things Testosterone. Uh, we have uh, testosteronepodcast.com. There's a doctor finder up there. If you're looking for a doctor, you're having trouble really getting dialed in, you're getting discouraged, you're thinking about stopping TRT, or you're someone that hasn't started yet and you understand the value of uh, treating with a specialist, check out testosteronepodcast.com, find a doctor. Um, right now, Matrix has a discount uh well, yeah, if you mention the the podcast, you're you're going to save some money on your initial consult and you truthfully can can treat with them for around 75 to 90 dollars a month. So it's it's pretty affordable. Uh, that's if you're just doing testosterone. It it gets more expensive if you're adding in other medications like HCG, which yes, by the way, they still have access to. So uh if you're someone that's that is treating with the clinic and and you've been told that you need to switch to gonadotropin, um Matrix Hormones does still have HCG. I believe they also still have a, a $50 uh, discount off any hormone program through the end of the month with uh, promo code TRT July, probably. Uh, if not, you might just need to ask them about it and tell them I, I told you about it. Um, we have uh, the All Things Testosterone slash TRT community eight-week body composition challenge that has ended recently. So if you have uh, participated in that, be sure to email me your after pictures to brandon at trtcommunity.com. Stay tuned. We've got some uh, prizes coming, and I'm going to need podcast listeners to help me vote and judge uh, who's the winner of that competition. Today we've got uh, uh, Sean Fitzgerald. He's the head specialist over at Matrix Hormones. He's going to be chatting with me. Sean began studying anatomy and physiology when he was 17, competed in his first bodybuilding competition when he was 19, and he's worked in the health industry for over 15 years. He's managed health food stores and supplement companies, things like that. And I've got a list of, uh, of good questions to ask him today. So we're going to talk a little bit about my semaglutide update uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his bodybuilding competition. We're going to talk about treating with a primary care or endocrinologist or a urologist over uh, a specialist like a clinic. We're going to talk about cottonseed oil. We're going to talk about kispeptin, gonadotropin, HCG. So uh, stay tuned and we will get right to it. Hey, Brandon, can you hear me? Sure can. What's going on, man? All right, man. Good. How's it going? Good. You're looking lean. 
Thanks. <laughs> so uh, I understand. Last podcast. <laughs> yeah. How much have you lost since last? Um, to be honest with you, I really didn't lose a lot of weight total. Um, maybe like eight pounds. Yeah. Okay. So uh, okay. I understand that you just recently competed, right? Last weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I did the um, competition in Orlando, formerly known as the Europa. Um, kind of like it's almost like a mini Arnold Classic where they have a lot going on. Um, they have the bodybuilding, uh, they have uh, martial arts, powerlifting, CrossFit, cheerleading, arm wrestling. Like it's a whole big oh, wow. sport. Event. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So it's kind of cool. How'd you do? Uh, I got second in men's over 35 and third place in men's. Third place in what? Men's open middleweight. Okay. Uh, so it goes by weight classes in the open divisions. Yeah. So uh, I weighed in at 172 the uh, night. Well, congrats. How, uh, how, now, I mean, you don't look like you without your whole life being dedicated to it, but how long were you prepping for the show? Um, well, I stay pretty lean most of the time. So I really didn't start doing cardio until probably two months out. Okay. It was most just kind of, you know, maintaining uh, diet and then just increasing my activity level. Um, so I went in, originally I was consuming uh, about 34 to 3,500 calories. And then I just cut it back to about 800 and uh, adding in cardio then of course looking at a deficit already as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is that is that type of thing the the deficit and the cardio? Is that something that's difficult for you, or do you love it, thrive on it? Um, it's well, I mean, it's a little bit adjusting um, to get used to not quite as much food, um, and also like obviously more carbohydrates that you have in your diet, and the better the pump that you get when you work out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like cutting out carbs, you know, less pump. So. You know, taking a like pre workout or in on two products, like uh, very uh, kind of help out with that. Was kind of the mental part of it. So. Yeah. Did you use some aglutine while you were cutting? Uh, no, but I actually just ordered some to, to add to my protocol. Yeah. To uh, see how that works. Yeah. But, Have you used it before? Uh, I haven't yet. Okay. Um, I've always been kind of a fan of L carnitine and using that. Yeah. So uh, this will be my first time actually. And use that, and it's more for uh, blood sugar control and regulation. Yeah. So because uh, I actually am uh, kind of on the low end, but I'm uh, somewhat insulin resistant. Mm -hmm. uh, I think because I'm, my mother's side of the family is all Puerto Rican. Okay. So everybody on that side of the family has diabetes at heart. <laughs> really? So just yeah, so just kind of shitty genetics in a way where you know no matter how good I eat. And been exercising for over 20 years. I'm still, you know, borderline becoming eventually diabetic. So man, that's crazy. I'm trying to prevent it from getting any worse, and um, you know, using supplements and those lower carbs and stuff like that. Yeah, hoping that the single food diet can actually help with that. Also, uh, yeah, use metformin before as well to try to help control blood sugar. Otherwise, my fasting glucose will range between 110 to 130. Wow. So, not normal, obviously. Yeah. So, it, 
is semaglutide better at regulating the glucose levels than metformin or is metformin is that metformin's more primary function? Um, I don't know. I'd have to, I guess I'd have to do it on myself to check yeah. my glucose levels uh, because um, I mean, it was uh, designed to be an alternative to metformin, whereas being a one sleep injection, uh, metformin is easy to treat diabetes, so is some glutide. So. Yeah. Okay. So I've been on uh, smaglutide for like six or seven weeks and intentionally didn't change anything about my diet or exercise during that time. And I've dropped 20 pounds. So yeah, I can tell. Yeah. I can I mean, see it's it. it's well, doing something. And, you know, uh, I talked to Kenny about it and it seems like the main side effect for most guys would be like uh, diarrhea, upset stomach, that kind of thing. For the first three weeks or so, it actually did the opposite. I, I wouldn't say that I was constipated, but it actually like regulated me and, and made me a little bit more less of an irritable bowel syndrome kind of guy. Oh, okay. And at, at this point, well, I'm assuming it was that I didn't add anything else in and, and I went from, you know, having constant stomach aches to, to not, but, um, okay. I kind of describe it as, as it feels like I've almost always just eaten Thanksgiving dinner. So I do yeah. have like some bloating and some, it's a little bit uncomfortable, uh, but yeah, I mean the appetite is just kind of gone. Yeah, so that one of the effects of it is that it can actually slow down uh, digestive utility. So that's how it can also make it go longer. Yeah. So we, we slow. Yeah. I mean, possibly taking some digestive enzymes or probiotics may help reduce some of the bloating. Uh, the longer the food is in your system for, the longer that it can ferment. Really? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Huh. So, yeah. Other other than that, though, I mean, it's been smooth sailing. I haven't had any 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 kind of side effects, and I don't I don't recall what I was expecting. Uh, I know that that was the big one that guys had complained about was uh, the stomach issues, but it's been pretty yeah. easy. Oh well, yeah, that was even the successful for you. Well, a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, oh, Jennifer in the office, she lost like 30, 30, 34 pounds. Really? Just her first pound. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually hadn't seen her for like a month. And uh, when I saw her in the office, like, she actually had to get new clothes because the other ones were so big on her. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you're disappearing. Like, how much weight did you lost? Yeah. And as a, as a guy that's, that, you know, I haven't always been, I started at 335 pounds. I haven't always been that heavy. So I've still got like right now I'm wearing blue jean shorts that I just happen to have in the drawer from a few years ago that are, you know, a size or two down. Uh, but I, it, it's pretty close to, uh, you know, much longer and I'll have to start buying some new shirts at least. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, because, sir, since I haven't changed anything, um, what would you recommend that I change first? Is there, I, I, I kind of like the idea of compartmentalizing and taking things a step at a time because I like to see, kind of like you, I like to see what works for me. What would be your first thing to change? Would you increase activity? Would you tighten the diet, both? Um, well, yeah, the way I look at it, for me, the easiest thing is just increasing your activity level. Um, you know, if you haven't been doing cardiovascular exercise, do cardiovascular exercise. 
because in that is a very small variable, it is a little bit more time out of your day to do it. But for me personally, I would rather increase someone's metabolism by having them become more active than cut back on the calories yeah. because that can actually slow down the metabolism. Okay. So if your body has a regular thermostat, thyroid. And if you do too low calories for too long, then your metabolism is going to adapt to a lower amount of calories. Yeah. Survival. Um, because that's what, you know, a lot of people don't realize or understand, like, hey, we exist because of, uh, in a way, evolution or adaptation that has occurred over centuries. Yeah. You know, survival of the species isn't being the fittest or the strongest or fastest. Most of the That's why we still have alligators, crocodiles, and cockroaches <laughs> around long before, you know, and everybody, all the other species have died since then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's about being ad- ad- adaptive. So, if the body doesn't adapt to die, so better adapt to die, literally. And so, your body will find a way to preserve itself. And that's why I would rather increase activity. Because the body's not trying to survive. You know, it's not going into survival storage mode, hold on to everything that it can. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually uh, start to increase your calories as well to compensate when you're really getting the tablets going and you're burning a lot. Yeah. That's uh, why I haven't really been, really had to starve myself with calories so low. So there's guys that I've uh, heard of that are bigger than me, you know, consuming 2,000 calories or less per day. And they're just like starving themselves. You know, I'm not hungry at all. Yeah. You know, I don't have to, you know, struggle or kill myself dieting because um, well, I'm eating healthy. I'm eating foods that work well for my digestive system, so I don't get bloated. Um, that's another thing too is uh, sometimes food allergies cause uh, an inflammatory response. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I talked about that before. I don't think so. But, Yes, actually, it was early this year. Um, I was experiencing a lot of like bloating, tension, and um, that was like the main symptom that I had. So after, like, as the day would progress, I would get more and more full and bloated. And by the end of the day, I just like even trying to drink water was just like too many things. Yeah. Um, and uh, come to find out, so I actually like spent money, like almost five hundred bucks. On, aller- on food allergy tests. Come to find out, the two of the things that I was consuming the most, uh, eggs, because I always eat eggs for breakfast, like every day, yeah. my cholesterol is like less than 100, um, and uh, peas or pea protein. And I was trying to incorporate more vegan proteins into my diet. So, um, and I was using egg white protein powder and pea protein powder, trying to eliminate dairy by you know, getting away from maple. Yeah. And come to find out that that was causing so much inflammation. It was getting progressively worse. And it wouldn't happen right away. It would just be throughout the day. I would start my day off with, you know, having eggs for breakfast. And then as the day was going on until the afternoon and the evening, I would get more and more bloated. And uh, couldn't figure out why. It would just take a while, I guess, until the inflammation was going to increase. And when I got the test results back, out of all the foods that they had tested for, it was eggs and peas were like the red zone. <laughs> you know, they were like, I was like, oh my God, you got to be good. I, I had all the protein power left over. I ended up giving it away to friends. 
I couldn't dig it, you know. <laughs> and I switched back over to whey and whey isolate and as far as protein powders. And then protein sources, uh, just having other sources of chicken, meat, uh, beef or bison, you know, uh, fish, all that kind of stuff. And I haven't had any issues. So I actually dropped probably five pounds in the first week once I eliminated the soup. Wow. So was that a... Was it a new problem for you, the, the bloating, or is it something that you've just dealt with most of your life? Um, yeah, it was like minor. It, it was kind of like a, uh, kind of a nagging issue that had come and go sometimes. I just couldn't figure it out because yeah. it never came. Yeah. And then I guess I started consuming more egg white protein. I was thinking it was like dairy product. I'm going to be allergic to dairy protein. Uh, the protein in dairy, even whey protein. Um, so I was trying to do elimination by cutting out all that stuff. And I just had the opposite effect going towards things that I thought I would less. Yeah. And, uh, you know, egg and pea uh, allergies, uh, they're not unheard of. They're just not quite as common. I think. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, yeah, it's kind of eliminated out and I haven't had So tell me, so I'm asking because I, I have the same symptom. I... I can wake up and, and this is it. I don't know if it's similar to yours or if it's super dramatic because I'm so much heavier than you, but I can wake up in the morning and I'm so much thinner and less bloated that I can dress a certain way. And by mid afternoon, it's like, shit, I got to go change my shirt and my pants. And I've only eaten half a meal today because of, because of the bloating. And then when I go to bed, my stomach is so much bigger than when I woke up and it, yeah, I mean, it's pretty, pretty painful at times too i i know i've got got gi issues but tell me more about the, the allergy test is that something how did they do it where did, did you have to go somewhere oh yeah so um locally here uh, there's a, a gym that i go to uh powerhouse athletic club and they're they're almost like uh a gym it's independently owned or a franchise but um they're almost like they have everything they have all kinds of training they have a meal food prep service in there so you can either like after you work out um it's almost like a pro shop and stuff and also they have a food bar so um you know almost like a chipotle that you get to pick like what you want but it's all clean healthy food that they cook right there and then they even uh you can order like meal prep foods like in the containers all made um and they deliver on that as well um and of course personal training but one of the things that caught my eye was that they actually have a dietitian, so I guess they rent out like a couple offices uh, in, the, uh, in the gym, and so they have a registered dietitian that does, uh, you know, can do other things, but also I, I saw an ad for allergy tests, you know, and of course it's going over symptoms of possible allergies. And stuff. And so they do uh, IG tests, dealing broadly on vitamin response to different foods. And um, so they had, I don't know, what kind of, I don't remember how many things were on the panel. They had one panel was kind of the basic, and they had another panel that was like another 50 foods added to it, but they were more like seeds and stuff. You could test that for uh, like an extra 100 bucks. And I was like, I don't use that much. But yeah, everything, all the other foods were pretty much in the green. It was just, and I saw the egg and pizza and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Like, I, that's what I've been consuming the most of. Yeah. And I was having the most response to that. So that explained a lot. 
Um, and like I said, as soon as I cut it out, that within a week, within a few days, the inflammation was going down. But it, I would say within a full week is when I really started to notice um, the floating. Yeah. So is this like they, they have got some kind of monitor on you and you're taking a bite of something and then moving on? Or is it, you know, over the oh, course no. of several it, days? Um, yeah, no. So all they do is they take um, uh, some drops of blood, a lot of paper, and they send it into a lab. And then the lab, uh, I guess, analyzes. Because um, uh, obviously, like, foods that you're consuming on a regular basis, you're probably going to have an inflammatory marker. And, and I'm sure that that morning I probably had a, you know, like around noon or so that I think I got some And um, so that was probably fresh as far as what, but yeah, it was just like the, um, you know, you can probably do a Google search for allergy test period. So it was pretty simple, but it was like, like I said, it was like 500 bucks um, that I went and got the test done. Um, and it was totally worth it. Like I said, it's just some of the GI issues I was sort of having um, eliminated. So now I can always crush it. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's something. Well, the crazy was when I was younger in my uh, late 20s, I couldn't eat beef anymore either. Like I would severely gap eating beef. And um, so I guess being older, I think I had a, a beef allergy or something um, when I was younger. That, that it, so I hadn't eaten beef in like 12 to 15 years. <laughs> like I cut it out totally. And after getting the results of that food allergy testing, that night I went to Walmart and bought some cheap steaks <laughs> and, and had it. You know, I think I had probably eight or 10 ounces to see if anything would happen. And I was totally fine. Wow. So now I, now I can eat beef and bison and everything. And I'm, I usually choose bison. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I've been good since and definitely made a dramatic difference because obviously if you have also like in bodybuilding if you have systemic inflammation you're going to have some sort of edema you know and of course usually if it's in your digestive system it's going to be around your stomach area um because of the inflammation that's following that area yeah that's definitely something that i'm gonna i'm gonna need to look into i i bet you there's a pretty simple something that i'm eating every day that it causes something like that. Yeah, it could be. It could be stuff that you think you're eating is great, is good for you. And you know, like I said, in my case, I was eating eggs, egg whites, and stuff, thinking it's you know really good for me, and instead it was having a negative impact on my health. Yeah. And um, you know, I used to get like I would start getting tired in the afternoon and brain fog because of it. And uh, but yeah, ever since then, it's definitely made a huge difference. Yep. So yeah, if you could like if anybody that has digestive issues. Uh, especially ongoing, I definitely recommend it just because of the experience I had. Um, you know, not knowing what the cause is. You know, I was taking apple cider vinegar, um, digestive enzymes, probiotics, you know, buying all different kinds of brands, you know, seeing what was better mm-hmm. and relying on that, just finding out it's just simple food, you know, that I was eating. And just by cutting it out, I did fine. Huh. Yeah, I'd actually broken down recently and, and called it uh, gastroenterologist to set up an appointment and pro- they're probably going to want to do a endoscopy and oh, yeah. know, all that junk, you know, and I, I did it once before, you know, probably 10 years ago and um, came back with something like, uh, I can't remember if it was diverticulitis or one of the other similar 
uh, inflammatory bowel issues. And, yeah. um, yeah, so I, it had gotten, it's, it's nagged me enough to where I just made that call like a week ago and I'm waiting to see when I can get in. So maybe I'll do this <laughs> testing first and see if I can yeah. avoid having the, the scope done. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your, maybe your doctor can even order the uh, allergy test for you. Yeah. Uh, they, if you have insurance and maybe they can get that because, um, the place that I went to didn't accept insurance and I was like, well, uh, here, I can get it done here. I'll just go ahead and shell out the money for it. And, you know, again, because what I went through, to me, it was totally worth it. Even though there was only really two food items on there that I was severely allergic to, just eliminating those two was worth 500 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when I'm consuming it every single day. (laughs) And I love it. You know, fried eggs, eggs, you know, it's like, it's been a, my staple breakfast years and cutting it out has been kind of tough, but you know, I just deal with it because I'd rather, uh, you know, it's one of those where you get to a point where you're tired of being sick and tired. And yeah. Rather not consume something at all than have to suffer through it. You know, so the lack of tolerance, you know, they can, you know, might eat ice cream or something, but you're going to pay for it after. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I'd rather not pay for it. <laughs> That's a that's a good discipline though. I mean, it, it takes some discipline, especially with something like ice cream or, or your eggs. You know, to to just oh well, yeah, out. you know, it's five minutes to taste in your mouth when you're sitting there eating. But then you're the symptoms that you know the suffering you go through could last hours or days yeah. afterwards. Yeah, that's so I'd rather get rid of the hours or days of suffering than you know, minutes of something I like. Yeah. So you, you sent me a Facebook message at one point and you and I are in a total agreement with this, but I wanted to ask you because you were a little passionate about guys that are treating with these brick and mortar speci- specialists, quote unquote, like endos and, and your uh, urologists. Um, what What is it or why should someone potentially avoid doing that over? Because, you know, guys get caught up in in the expenditure you know if it's 75 to 90 dollars to treat with you sean well their insurance covers it if they go to this urologist but why do you think like myself that they should just skip that altogether and and call a specialty clinic um well because a lot of doctors um they just treat paperwork they're looking at numbers on a sheet of paper and they're trying to stay with rangers and the problem with that is that uh, reference ranges set by lab, those are not necessarily agreed upon by the medical community to be healthy. You know, those ranges are actually a collaboration of data collected by these uh, labs and what they find the general population is the typical averages. So, but, you know, like especially with testosterone, you know, that's what we're here for anyway is the most appalling, biggest range that there is. Depending on the lab, it can be like from 280 or 290 up to 980. You know, like, but then, you know, if you go to a doctor and get tested, if you're right at 300, well, shit, you're at the bottom end of the range, mm-hmm. but you're still within range. So doctor says you're fine. Yeah. You're in range. But that doesn't mean that's good for you. <laughs> right. You know, so again, it's treating just a number and not the problem or the symptom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can go in more in depth and see where your LH and FSH numbers are at uh, to see how your pituitary functions. 
And because obviously if those numbers are low, then that really explains why you have low testosterone. Yeah. Um, so then you can kind of determine if someone has uh, primary hypogonadism or secondary hypogonadism. And that's better for finding out which one of the treatment would be best to start with. Um, but, uh, you know, it was actually in a research for me and I had to check it up. It was kind of real. But in 2017, so it's kind of like a big debate on why the uh, reference ranges were lowered. But testosterone levels were acceptable up to 1,200 back in 2017. And then after that, the, the labs lowered it. Really? And so a little controversy about that for the uh, medical community that uh, suggests some people believe that it's going to make it harder for patients. of the population. So, but the way I look at it is if, well, if your population's average testosterone levels are lower than they were years before, why are they lower? What's going on? Yeah. You know? So, so I, and I see that kind of, that kind of thing daily with guys emailing me and, and chatting with me about it. And I think that there's kind of, there, there's a couple different levels. There's the guy that you're describing that, they can't get treatment from a from a urologist or an endocrinologist that, that's going to accept their insurance because that's not really what uh, hormones are not really what they specify you know their their specialty. But then there's also the guy that does end up getting treatment, and and I was that guy. I treated with a primary care uh, facility for a number of years, and they were good for a primary care brick and mortar facility. But I, I think there's this disconnect. You know, whenever I call and have my consults with Kenny, we're talking for at least an hour and he is more thorough than I've ever seen anyone be period. And when I would go into the office for the, the brick and mortar primary care, it's like twice a year. And I'm saying, I'm not really feeling that great. My note here's, you know, here's the labs. My numbers are, you know, 500 as a trough and this and that. And, and they just don't really have much else to give other than, well, inject the testosterone once to twice a week. And, and that's kind of it, you know, Kenny's gone so much deeper. And, and in fact, he just tested me for a ton of stuff that nobody's ever thought to, I mean, lupus and Lyme disease and, and stuff like that, that, Nobody's ever done. And he's, you know, it, it's just so much more thorough. So then there's the guy that also will email me and say, hey, man, you were right. I tried it with this doctor. Now I'm going to call Matrix or I'm going to call so-and-so clinic. And, and they end up switching anyway because you just don't get enough uh, FaceTime, I guess, to really dial in those complicated patients. Yeah. And I, I was, I was yeah. treating with them twice a year. And that's, that wasn't nearly enough. Yeah, yeah. And the, but again, you know, because a lot of the brick and mortar places um, have so many patients already. You know, mm -hmm. And a general practitioner or even a urologist is seeing patients with other problems. Yeah. You know, whereas, uh, you know, a hormone clinic, Matrix, that's all we do is hormones. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we might do some other things, you know, check out Lyme disease or other autoimmune disorders. Uh, I now, you know, there's something else that he, he won't test or has thought of. Um, but it is a but our specialty, what we focus on is hormone balance and optimization. That's what we're known for that we do. 
So, I mean, it's not like you're going to go to a GP to get your brain surgery. Right. You're going to go to a brain surgeon, you know, for a consultation on, you know, messing with your head. So, and that's the way it should be with hormones is you should go to a specialist. And even though endocrinologists are specialists, again, the problem is that doctors go to school to diagnose illness and disease. So an endocrinologist has more knowledge on diagnostic and treating illnesses related to uh, uh, your endocrine hormones, so like glands and, uh, and organs that produce certain hormones. Um, you know, but it's not about like uh, balancing testosterone in men. It's still relatively new, even though it's been testosterone. I think invented in the nineteen around for so long. But the use of it, plus the stigma um, of being an anabolic steroid or whatnot, a lot of doctors really shy away from it. They don't understand it. You know, a lot of them are not taught in school um, testosterone treatment. But the, the funny thing is, is, is the uh, medical community, I very biased on hormone treatment between men and women. Because women, it's, you know, accepted that women go through menopause. They can easily get hormone treatment for that. But most men, it's almost impossible for them to get hormone treatment. Yeah. You know, and, and so uh, I feel like men are really ignored by the medical community community because of that, you know, and it's just uh, sort of a bias, you know, uh, women, it's okay for them to get treatment because they have hormone imbalance, but men, by tradition, you know, we just kind of suck it up and take it and, you know, don't complain about stuff, but, you know, these days with increased awareness, uh, I think men are being more open with the doctors who are looking for treatment, like, I don't feel right, you know, I'm tired. Um, I have to, you know, drink energy drinks or I don't sleep good. You know, I try melatonin, I still can't sleep or all this and that. You know, come to a block, uh, they don't have enough energy, they have to pain clog, but they still eat healthy, they still exercise. Um, a lot of these guys have families that, you know, once they get home from work, they're just trained and don't have anything left to give to attention to their families, their kids, their wife. And it, it's hard for them. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for other people to listen to how they feel. Because again, men are expected to just be you know, hard and tough and just suck up. But there's only so much any human can do, yeah. you know, by just forcing yourself. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to force yourself to make it a shouldn't have to be a struggle. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, I say all the time is getting older is inevitable, but feeling old is now a choice. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding the right provider that's going to actually uh, do whatever they can to help you. You know, like I'm just, uh, you know, kind of like Kenny, that uh, I'm not afraid to test for anything under the sun to try to find out what's wrong with someone, mm-hmm. to try to help them, you know, because I've been there myself before. I know what it feels like. You know, I even digested it. Yeah. I got finally figured out what the hell it was. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. You know, I know what this, this struggle is. I know what the suffering is like. And so coming from that background as well, I'm very passionate about helping doing whatever I can and whatever kind of research I need to do to figure something out in order to best help someone all your life. So a lot of, again, a lot of doctors, you're seeing so many people all the time that they just literally don't have the time. You know, most doctors, it's almost like a, 
long and turning into cows. Yeah. Yeah. Cows in, cows out. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's not even, you know, some of the the hormone clinics that make you come in for the injection, it, it feels the same way, but at least they are staying focused on hormones the entire time. With the PCP that's turning over cattle, it, you know, their brains are having to, to focus in on, on so many more things that I, I just never felt like they could really hone in on me and my testosterone because their last patient was a bunion removal or something. You know, it was just something completely random that it that it, it just doesn't align with um you know giving that that care that you really need especially a patient like me i'm not i'm not easy uh, kenny actually has me troughing around 750 for the first time in 8 to 10 years whenever however long i've been on trt i've never had numbers that are as impressive as what he's been able to dial me into yeah yeah but that's like the the personal care that uh, we give to our patients yeah. So, um, depending on the patient, you know, they're allotted. You pretty much give them up to 45 minutes on average. Sometimes an hour, and then they go over. Um, and it just depends on the patient. You know, like some guys are easy to, you know, come on testosterone and boom, it's like sunshine and rainbows. It's a whole new world for them. <laughs> you know, and then other guys like yourself, um, just need a little extra TLC. Yeah. You know, they get dialed in right. You know, there's other things that are going on. Mm hmm. So, um, but uh, you just never know. You know, everybody reacts differently. Um, everyone is biochemically different, just like our fingerprints. You know, we all have different fingerprints. So we all react different medication, different diets, different substances, and uh, hormone treatment. So um, you know, I've seen blood work on guys where put them on a low dose testosterone, just like some, like just like the next guy. Then all of a sudden, the estrogen and prolactin skyrocket. All of a sudden, they're like, you know, have so much anxiety they can't leave their house. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, it just depends. You know, most guys wouldn't react that way. I've seen some that have. And then you just have to go back and, and treat those hormones and get them under control. And then you kind of get to the root problem. Okay, well, what's causing it now? You know, because the temporary fixes, we could you know, put them on an AI or, or try to make the levels down. But what's going to be a more permanent solution again? So then we got to dig a little deeper on other things. In your message too, you mentioned cottonseed oil, and and that a lot of these, or mo- yeah, most of the the local brick and mortar doctors are going to hand you a prescription, or they're going to send one over to Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid or wherever, and you're going to end up getting cottonseed oil from that place. And tell me, because you're not a fan of cottonseed oil, right? No, no. Um, Cottonseed oil is mostly used by major drug companies because it's cheap. Um, the problem that scares me about cottonseed oil is 100% of cotton that's grown in the country, most other countries, are genetically modified. Um, it is because for one particular reason, there is a toxin that acts as a natural pesticide. It's gas, oil or something. Um, I can't remember exactly. Anyway, so it's a natural toxin that the cotton seed produces to prevent insects from eating it. It's a natural pesticide. So they have to genetically modify it so that it doesn't produce as much or to almost none. They can't get 100% nothing because it's still in the DNA of the plant. Yeah. But genetically modifying it, they can reduce the amount. But that in itself, because it is a chemical pesticide, it's an irritant that you can 
cause inflammation. And the problem with Catskill also is that it's very high in omega-6 fatty acids. So while omega-6s can be healthy, um, it's just when most people over-consume omega-6 and not omega-3, offset that, that it becomes pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. Okay. So, um, yeah, so at plus, anything that's GMO, uh, part of the reason why they're genetically modified is so that the, uh, the crops can be sprayed with more pesticides to prevent insects from eating them because some of those chemicals, the pesticides or herbicides, will actually kill the plant itself. So you can possibly still get chemical residue left over it in that oil. So that's that's what kind of scares me about that. Yeah. Again, it's a way to cut costs. So a lot of compounding pharmacies um, will use grapeseed oil um, as the base, and some of them will use MCT oil because you can actually get those organic without pesticides and herbicides, um, and also they don't naturally produce chemicals in them that create an allergic reaction. So what, you know, depending on the person, if someone has a true nut allergy, they may possibly have an allergic reaction to MCT oil because it comes from coconut. Um, but most allergies or allergic reactions come from proteins within the food, not necessarily the oil. Um, but again, I've had a couple of guys that have reacted negatively to grapeseed oil, not realizing they were, until, you know, saying, you know what, let me just try the MCT and then whatever issues they're having to write up. Yeah. So it's not unheard of. It's just not a con. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Kispeptin. What is it? What does it do? Is it beneficial? Um, Kispeptin is very similar to gonadotropin. It's a, uh, uh, a peptide uh, released by the hypothalamus, so gonadotropin releasing hormone. Category of peptides that fall on that. And so gonadotropin releasing hormone is released from the hypothalamus, goes to the anterior pituitary to tell the pituitary to make more LH and FSH. Now, if you're looking for fertility, then that's great because more LH and FSH is going to tell your decibel to make more testosterone and sperm, which clomidor and clomiphene also do, uh, just through a different pathway. Uh, and, um, but doesn't really work that well in the real world in combination with TRT because the problem is when you take testosterone, you're going to suppress your pituitary from producing nitric hormone follicles in the There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's, I promise you it's going to happen. So when you're on TRT and trying to take those medications to peptides, you're defeating part of the purpose of the negative feedback loop that it's going to occur with testosterone treatment. So that's why HCG is the perfect uh, uh, sidekick with testosterone to help maintain fertility or help maintain testicular um, function and signs because it completely bypasses the pituitary. So HCG mimics and is called the LH or luteinizing hormone analog. So it mimics the action of LH in the body, therefore stimulating gliding cells and Um So when you're using anatotropin releasing peptides, you're trying to stimulate the pituitary to produce hormones that testosterone is shutting off. So it really doesn't work well in the real world because you're just not going to get the stimulation of LH and FSH because you're taking testosterone. 
just can't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen blood work on guys take, that were at other clinics being vomit and testosterone. I'm like, why? Your, your LH and FSH are still not measurable because the negative feedback you can get from the testosterone you cannot turn those on while you're on TRT. So that's why HCG is better because it, you don't have to. Yeah. Um, so Stefan and Gonadarellin. On paper, it sounds great, but you know, as far as if it were PCP, you know, like if someone were, were trying to come off testosterone or trying to restart their body's own testosterone production, or as an alternative to TRT, you know, trying to stimulate their natural body's testosterone, that'd be great. Yeah. But you, it just doesn't work when you're taking testosterone. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's a, why. That's a good explanation yeah. of it. Makes a lot of sense. So the HCG is essentially shortcutting things. So you're skipping. The pituitary yeah. and it's it's sneaking in there and acting exactly. as if it's LH. Totally skipping the, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. pituitary, so it's safe for them because I mean, if you think about it, you're taking a drug that's turning your pituitary off, then you're taking another drug that's turning it on. <laughs> so it's like flipping a light switch on and off. <laughs> when you keep flipping a light switch on and off, eventually it might burn out. You have a seizure. You don't know when. <laughs> you have a seizure. Yeah. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why I don't like the idea of trying to stimulate LH and FSH while on TRT. If someone is looking to, to have a baby, get more fertile, and they can't when they're on TRT, even with HCG, then come off the testosterone using clomiphene or clomid, caspeptin or the gonadarellin, use it in conjunction with HCG because they work pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll have a better benefit or better chance of Leaving that way, if that's what your focus is. Well, but like I said, it's, it's pointless to take with TRT because it just doesn't work. I've seen the blood work prove it. <laughs> do you do you get any of the 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 well being feeling that that HCG patients get every once in a while? You know, the guys that just feel better on it, or is it is it just garbage? Um, you talking about the gadolinium peptin? Yeah, yeah. Um, they might a little bit because there are other hormones that can be produced or that it's linked. So uh, gonadotropin-releasing hormone can also increase growth hormone. Um, but again, I think it's still, you know, bare minimum that you're really going to get much out of that. Um, you know, the more direct peptides like CGC and ghrelin um, act more like ghrelin, almost like a hormone produced in your stomach to stimulate that. So they're just more effective. Yeah. You know, like you don't use, clinics don't prescribe gonadarellin and kispeptin or growth hormone. <laughs> you know, it, it can't help with that, but that's not what it's used for because it's not that, it doesn't work that well for it. Um, but, uh, but that's why the ghrelin or CDC uh, combination prescribe growth hormone, if that's what you want to achieve. So, yeah. But otherwise, just, you know, again, unless you're, uh, as long as you're taking TRT, it just it, it don't work. I've, I've talked to guys before that were at a clinic that used to get HCG, that when HCG got reclassified, that it was no longer available, whatever they were going to get it, and switch guys over to get out of rolling, and boom, their testicles shrunk right up. You know, they didn't get the benefit out of it at all. Yeah. So, because like I said, you just cannot bypass that that, uh, expression. My laptop just gave me a low battery signal. I thought I had it charging, but it's about to die on me. But I, I love the way that you answer these questions. It's so um, easy to explain. I mean, I've never heard 
the Gennadarill and HCG comparison done that way. And also love how you relate to things with the stomach, the GI stuff and things like that. So I know. Oh yeah, I know. Any <laughs> can really get detailed and real technical. About stuff. Yeah. So, but that's what I've kind of been told is I've been told that I can kind of not really dumb things down, but make it more simple to understand. Yeah. You know, because I've spent so many years also talking to face. You know, I managed a, a health hospital. Yeah. You're trying to explain to somebody, and then they look at you, and then they look at you with the head flip like a dog. And you know they're not getting it. <laughs> you have to think of a way to kind of, you know, reword it. Yeah. And a, a lot of times analogies work really well with people when you do a comparison to something that they they know every day. Yeah. So that's why I use a lot of analogies when I'm talking about stuff so that they can better understand what I'm saying. Yep. Well, your cool. your last episode was wildly popular. The the patients love you for sure. So it was. It was definitely a pleasure, and I look forward to talking again in the future. Sure. Yeah, next time, just plug in your your computer. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, ninety nine percent of the time, I bring my charger in here and do it. But I I charged it all day because I thought, oh, it's a MacBook. Surely it's going to last an hour. But it no critical battery low. Oh wow! Yeah, need a new battery. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, bud. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, have a good night. You too. Good to see you. Bye. That's embarrassing that I. I'm an amateur and didn't charge or didn't bring my charger in here. But uh, as always, Sean's amazing. I love the the way he answers those questions and we'll chat with him again soon. If you have any questions for him or for Ken or for any other expert uh, or for me, send them over Brandon at trtcommunity.com and we will get them answered on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the TRT Community Podcast. You can find us online at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TRT community. 